I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden pause in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, driver's recommended. <laughs> oh, is he a caveman? Because it's suddenly clubbed that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with the dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> G'day and welcome. This is Golf. Andrew Datto is my name. It's nice to be at your place to have a chat around the game of golf, but this time something a little bit different. We're talking to Australia's preeminent sports photographer. His name is Deli Carr. He was the official photographer for Golf Australia magazine for 10 years. And during the heyday of golf, when Norman was at his absolute peak, he was there in the cut and thrust getting glared at, and he'll tell you about it shortly. Uh, we met at his place uh, in his special room. It's like a history room full of just great things from his father's life. His, his dad had a BP, so there's lots of, um, you know, you know the old oil things with the glass bottles which you used to buy oil in? So there's that, there's the big BP sign, but there's so much more. There's a Kentucky Fried Chicken Foamy, which makes my nipples just ache for the amount of flesh I lost from them, riding something similar in the 70s. Uh, So lots of different things. It's a brilliant and very historic room. And this is a man full of history. Um, 10 Olympic Games. He's officially part of the Paralympic team. He's famous for shooting the hockey ruse. Australia's swimmers trust him implicitly. He does the Ironman um, and fencing and, as I say, golf. Uh, But we talk about so much more than that. Uh, Kathy Freeman, um, he was the one who took that iconic photograph from the Commonwealth Games of her holding up the Indigenous flag and the Australian flag. Uh, she, he talks about a moment with her and Carl Lewis, but lots of different sports, lots of different moments and just parts of his life that have really made him and changed him. And I promise you there is something for you here around the game of golf but also around sport and the way we look at it and the way we see it. And this man is responsible for some of the most iconic images. We started, as usual, with where he came to the game. This is Delhi Carr. Actually, I grew up near the lakes. Okay. Um, we would, and my mates and I, we would crawl under the fence. We'd either get golf balls out of the lakes 
or we play touch footy on the 17th or something like that. So that was my introduction to golf. Yes, I knew a little bit about golf. Like you said earlier, I felt the 90s was a, you know, the heyday of, yeah. of golf in this country. Yeah, it was a brilliant time. Um, you know, since I'm but, not shooting as much golf now, I don't know the names anymore, but I don't know. But then you seem to know everyone. Okay. So do you, as a photographer, do you need to know any, do you need to know about the mechanics of the game or the playing of the game or the, what the, the spirituality of the game to actually take good photos or is it, or are you, are you seeing something else through your lens? Yeah. I, I you get four days at, at, at each tournament whatever so you would spend probably your first day or two getting the stock pictures as we call them mm-hmm. the guy hitting the ball doing what he has to putting etc you try then to get creative and, and that's what like I through think, someone's legs through all that sort of stuff <laughs> through the through the branches yeah. the sun in the back i mean there are very much a lot of cliches obviously mm. but um, well, what are the golfing cliches? Oh, the cliches are early morning and late afternoon with that light the way it is. Um, yeah, through the branches is another one. Mm. The spectators can play a part in the picture as well. Yeah. When there's a lot of them, etc. So when, and as each tournament goes on or each event, towards the end, the emotions come in. So that's when, you know, the, the blood, sweat and tears and the crying and the, all the happiness all comes in. So that's your role then changes towards the end. It's probably best to know golf. Yes, it would be. Um, there were many images that I would submit to the mag and they go, that's not the peak of the swing or whatever it <laughs> well, is. So the- I, I got to learn it. <laughs> Did you, okay, so where is the peak of the swing? Oh, I, like each one was different. Everything okay. was different. But that, there were certain images that the picture editor particularly wanted. Mm. Um they said, no, that won't look good on a cover or that's not quite right for me. So it sounds like you're... In the process of shooting a tournament over the four mm. days, you're really, you're really shooting a full story, aren't you? Correct. So you're saying, so like, so when you say you set up your stock shots, we start with your stock shots. Well, so that there, that's all right. Here's our base plate. Here's here's the beginning of the story. These are our characters. They look like this. They feel like this. They, and this is how they swing the club. And and then as it goes on, as the tournament unfolds, that's when the the art of the photographer. Yes, comes to play. Absolutely. Like, How, for example, isn't that interesting to 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 want to see all the photos together? Then, yeah, absolutely. It, it then becomes a big package, and you put it all together depending on how that story unfolded. Like day one or the pro am, for example, that's the good day to get so and so happy, smiley. They're comfortable with you being close, yeah, etc. The next day, day one, is probably you might sit at a hold, the, the most photogenic spot you think, and. And you, you pretty much take a photo of everyone that comes through that hole. So it's the lazy day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. And, then it, and then it starts to change. And then you look at leaderboards and who's photogenic and who's needed and, and so forth. And it starts to play in your mind, this whole, the whole thing. So you would come back at lunch on day one and go, okay, what's happening? Who's on this afternoon? And, and you start to work the story. The last days is the big headache. It's there's a lot of stress on the photographer because he's he knows who's in the lead, but he's also I'm also looking at the the guy with the leaderboard who walks around with the leaderboard and you go, someone's making a move and mm. who, who is he and where is he and where am I and where's the map and yeah. how do I get there without crossing fairways and all that sort of stuff. So it does become quite stressful in that respect. And then those last few holes is where most of that emotion 
comes out. It's, right. it's 90% of all your emotional pictures are in your last few holes. So realistically, you could you could theoretically turn up at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon and run around like a headless chook and, and ask the photos that you need to get. Yeah. But to really understand the tournament, yeah. you've got to be there from the beginning. I agree. I agree. I think most of the newspaper guys would turn up on that last day. Yeah, right. right? All, Scumbags. All the, exactly. <laughs> Scumbags. They, been, they didn't do the walk the 72 holes per day each day yeah, yeah. before that. They and or and or there might have been a guy there for that time, but then they start sending in two or three other photographers in that last day right. to cover all the angles. Okay. So yeah. Um, so so when you say you're trying to get the emotion of the last day, right, or the the blood, sweat, and tears, mm. the happiness, the thing. So are you looking for things like I don't know, someone sweating, bat, you know, like sweating with you know sweat marks under their chest or you know, armpit things, that sort of thing, or the, the grimace at the end of a swing, or the, the are you actively searching for that moment, or does that moment just happen? Given you're shooting on rolls of 36 on film. Yeah. I, it, I start to, I think, have to start thinking smart, and, and if, it, if it's a 45-degree day and the heat is part of that story, then you get the sweating and the, you know, the sweaty armpits and all that sort of picture, something, or the guy pouring water over his head. Things mm-hmm. like that. So that's the story. Um, the rest of it is really up to what's happening and who it is and why. Um, you know, there are times you, you, if you don't know the game well enough, you can make mistakes. And I found towards the end, my last few years with Golf Australia, you know, I was I knew my game pretty well, mm. and I knew the athletes pretty well. I I knew how they would react, even. So you would have? Did you get in trouble at the beginning? You'd taken a photo at the bottom of someone's swing. Yeah, because the cameras I, are loud, right? They are loud. They were they were very mechanical in those days. So th- nowadays, God, it'd be a blessing. We've got digital cameras that are silent. Are they literally silent? They are silent because there's no mechanical parts to them. It's a pure digital image. So right. it's like your video camera, but you're taking particular frames off. So it would be a breeze now. Um, it's interesting that 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 whole had to be quiet, but a lot of the times the professional photographer knew when and when not to shoot, and we would get blamed for either a bad shot, or there was a lot of spectators with those little disposable cameras you bought at the chemist, yeah, you know, or their little compacts. Ninety nine percent of the time it was a spectator, but the golfer right. concerned would look straight at the big guys. Yeah, yeah so I'm thinking of specifically Greg Norman. Yeah, in he, that instance, he, he, he was famous for. He was famous for it, and and you know, I I get Greg. I understood his his commitment to the game and what he meant to the game, and so he was he was tough. He was really really tough to work with or alongside. I think we took a few extra step backs every time steps back every time Greg came out because we didn't want to be in his line of sight. We didn't want him to hear the camera. And we would probably not fire until very late into his swing. Right. So it wasn't that obvious. Did he... So there's definitely... There's there's an aura or an enigma around and that is quite different from that other golfers. Yeah. I mean, we were speaking earlier before that I've been shooting for 35 years and I cannot recall another athlete that had that aura, that feel when he walked into a press conference room or when he walked out to the first hole. 
You know, you saw him coming and he, he had that legendary bodyguard that was the bodyguard to most sports stars behind him. Yeah. And then the throng of people that were running after him. Um, you could tell he, he was impeccably dressed all the time. He had the hat. The shark. I mean, the shark logo was imposing. He was. He was. He had everything to him. I mean, his shoes were clean, spotless. There was nothing you could fault him, and you could understand what he meant. I mean, Golf Australia. I think a big chunk of the covers I had in those nineties were just great. Yeah. You know, and well, he was. He was. Look, he wasn't the only part of the game, but no. he was the big part of the game. He was, he was. Um, did you ever talk to him? Um, no, no, I, wow. I didn't. Yeah, but I, I did get the glares from him mm. many times. You know, it was, it wasn't me. It, it, <laughs> and you put your hands up in here, going, "It's not me, right?" Yeah. Don't. But never spoke to him. No, but I saw enough of him. Definitely. Um, I know when I had to shoot some tournaments, I spent a full day. You know, I had to spend a full day taking photos of him. So he, he knew who I was. Mm. He knew I was Golf Australia's photographer too. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he had a, a love relationship with the magazine, um, but he, he acknowledged it. And, and so what are the other golfers? Like, so you would have shot Nicholas, you would have shot... Yeah. So I, just during COVID part one, um, I did a lot of scanning of all my old stuff. And then all these Jack Nicholas pictures came up. Yeah, wow. That's right. One of my days, I had to follow him the whole course. I think 96, 97, probably around that President's Cup time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had a lot of dealings with a lot of the other Australian photographers. Um, And there there was a big bunch of gentlemen and a big bunch of nice guys. There was Wayne Grady, Peter Senior, Craig Parry, Appleby. Lucas Parsons, Brett Ogle, they were gentlemen. Yeah. Um, and they were up there at the top as well in golf. And would they pose for you? Like, did you ever get a sense that as they're playing, they'd, they'd give... Yeah, there was a couple. When, when you're there. there was a couple. Lucas Parsons was one of them. <clears throat> that, but I, he had a love relationship with the magazine mm. and did a lot for them with instructional pictures and so forth. So he knew who I was and we worked heaps of time. And, yeah, there was the odd sticking out of the, of the tongue type. Yeah, right. I, I recognise you, it's that sort of stuff. Okay. But the others were gentlemen and whatever you asked of them, they would do for you, not particularly on the golf course, but when I had to do an instructional shoot or how to, yeah. whatever it was. I, I worked with them a few times. We'd meet at a golf course. The brief was this and... But then, like you said, I was I kept my finger down and and rattled off a lot of frames to get the right swing or whatever it was. Okay. But yeah, and even the whole Australian golf fraternity um, were all great guys. Yeah, and I think they well, I'm going to guess they appreciated the attention as well. You know, so yes. so it's one of those things that it, like it, the game was great, and the game is certainly you know has fought back through COVID and is you know literally. It's the biggest game in town yeah. again, which is terrific. Yeah. Um, but to get that attention and you know have someone looking and th- it sets them up for other things. So. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. I I think I don't know if the Greg Norman being the general of that whole army was was something that played on their minds and they were if we need some media attention, we need to be the nice guys. I don't know if that's the case, but yeah. but they were general. They were gentlemen to me, definitely. Okay. So what's the secret with sports photography? I mean, you've literally, you've literally done everything from the 
NRL to the AFL, the grand final, like the Olympics, the Paralympics. I see on the table behind me there's a, a gold medal from the Paralympics saying, great to have you as part of the Australian team. So, like, you, you know, you are the... Yeah, I... You're I, the shit. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I've got to a point where I never dreamt of in, in terms of where I've, what I've achieved in the sport. I mean, there are no other Australian photographer here that's in this country that has 10 Olympic Games. And for me, when I first started, one would have been plenty. Yeah. I think the secret is, yeah, I need to put a little bit of my soul or my thought or my creative energy into the picture to make it different from everything else. Sometimes my briefs are boring. Take a photo of this person swimming or this person running and whatever does and maybe with a sponsor sign in the background well i'm doing it for their reasons and that's why they've employed me but i think a lot of my work is because i'm a storyteller so that's what i'd like to do you know that's my favorite part of the job and when they see something different or it tells the story um, they get a big kick out of it so shooting live action you're restricted to what's actually happening in front of you that's obvious absolutely shooting corporate work whether it be regardless of the sport, um, do you set up... So, like, there's a brilliant video of you uh, with a fencing shoot. Yes. Which is superb. Um, do you say fence or do you say, okay, now, Barry, you, you stand here and Simon, you stand here and you cut your sword underneath him and you jump and we'll do that 15 times until I get the photo I want and that's how I get my shot. So it's set that way or... I try not to do that, but undoubtedly in a commercial shoot, that's what ends up happening. Okay. Um, but that- for argument's sake, what you just <laughs> mentioned, this particular fencing shoot for mm. Nikon at the time, um, I saw it happen as they were playing around before we started and I said, I'd like you to do that again. Okay. Right. So it, it does mean me looking, observing and knowing sport and what it's about and what they can and can't do. And again, it's within talking to them. I go, don't make it look like you're a pirates at you know pirates of the Caribbean type thing. Yeah. But make it look like something you would do, but at an extreme level, like at the actual point of it, whatever. So that happens. Yeah, it, I try not to. I'm not comfortable telling them what to do. They're the sports person. They they do their job. Yeah, amazing. But if it, you know, for shooting swimming, so swimming and hockey, your t- swimming, hockey, and, and fencing are yeah. your three. Yeah, there's rowing as well. There's track and field now. There's and triathlon as okay. well. Yeah, so it's tore I'm yourself around everywhere, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm all over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyone who wants me, they can have it. Now, swimming, I guess, just as of recently, has been become my number one. I'm being recognised for that. Yeah, but in the sport of triathlon, it's 30 years of shooting that sport as well. Okay, so. Is it the muscles? Like I'm thinking about the AFL. That the, what, the, I, they just shook your head like, yeah, what? what? Okay, so when I see the photos of the AFL, for instance, it's, so as an AFL fan, specifically I look at the photos that really get my attention are the ones where their muscles are just, and I'm assuming that in um, maybe swimming, but definitely triathlon, that they when they sort of get to a certain level or a certain area in their running or that they look their absolute best. So you must know where that absolute best is. Yes, it is with those sports. But, yeah, um, you know for the strokes, you get to learn them, don't, don't get me wrong. At, at your early stages, someone will advise you, no, that's not quite right. 
even rowing, there's a particular point in their stroke that they that's the only photo that I want as opposed to the full stroke. Running is definitely when they're they're up off the ground. The moment they their leg hits the 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 ground when they're running, everything sags. Their faces sag. Their boobs. <laughs> yeah, sag. so that's not it's, that's, that's right. the one. It's the one out. up, isn't it? It's yes, yeah, the one off the ground, and they look good, and their chest is up. So you get to learn all that. Many many years, I did work in extreme sports with the BMX guys and the motocross, and they would do amazing tricks and stunts midair, and I. And I said, well, this looks great. This is the one. And they would look at me and go, hell no, dude, that's not the, the point of the trick or not the peak of the trick. Yeah, but the peak of the trick is not the most photogenic to me. Right. But to them it was the peak of the trick. So you, you get to learn it. You, you but be does, advised. It, does it matter what they think? So th- I suppose this is the other part. Does it, and, it, and for golf as well, does it matter what the subject thinks? Because the picture is the picture. Again, it's a delicate balance that you'll play because you want their respect for the next time round. So, jeez, oh, yeah, you, you kind of go. You, you'll have to play it a little bit either way. The motocross ones, as I said, the point of the trick where I thought was the most photogenic was the picture that was always published by a general sports magazine, but maybe not by a motocross magazine. Okay, and then who are you trying to please? Everyone? Well, yeah, you do try to please everyone. It depends again on your clients and who they are and whatever. But, you know, in those days I was shooting mostly for general sports magazines, not the motocross magazines. Okay. Um, now, it hasn't all been roses for you. Uh, you had a stroke. Hmm. Um, how long ago was that? It's about seven years now. Yeah. And so this fencing video is as much about as it is about getting these brilliant photographs for Nikon. It's also about your story and your recovery. So mm. how how did that affect the way you were able to come back to photography but maybe also the way you saw photography afterwards and how bad was the stroke? Yeah, it, it was a mild stroke to be honest. Uh, <clears throat> at that time still I was considered young to have a stroke mm. um, but it, it's just it was sheer bad luck I had it. Um, I won't explain much more but I, I woke up is during I was overseas and during a work gig overseas. Um, I spent time in hospital. I came back here and spent more time in hospital here um, and a couple of weeks in a rehab hospital. The first thing they asked me, they, the rehab hospital said, you know, what do you want to do now? What, what? And I said, I want to work again. I don't want, I'm too young to finish my work. I haven't done everything I've wanted. So they got my wife to bring in uh, all my cameras and all my lens and they weighed everything and saw my grip and and it was my left side that was affected and so all and the how, therapy how, ba- how badly was it, it was my my left hand um and left leg really a little bit of speech um but that that's all not nothing the top part of my head or the brain nothing nothing was damaged which was good really yeah <laughs> okay some people might say that but, but that was the blessing and, and yeah um nothing up top which is good yeah but that so was a physical thing um so all my therapy was then based on me working again and i knew how much i loved my work i'm one of the blessed ones that loved going to work each day yeah so Again, it took a while before I ended up going back to work. It's funny, now when I was recovering, a lot of the para-athlete para tr- community, they sent me papers and, 
uh, about getting back together again and, and so forth and best wishes and advice. And Nick Beveridge, the paratriathlete, um, sent me a paper, a research paper. And because it was the right side of the brain that was affected that affected my left side and, that, and I was trying to bring that back to life, the right side of the brain. I'm stimulating the creative side of the brain. So is the right side the creative side? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, did, you, did you lose any, as, any no, creative what, aspect? No, because I was working on my left side with therapy, with walking, with grabbing things, I was stimulating the creative side of the brain. And people have said ever since my stroke, my work got a whole lot better. Yeah, right. Is it, and, and there was a paper on that. Right. Not on me, but yeah. on that, that, that theory. And, and, yeah, Nick sent me that particular paper. And so how important were those thoughts of goodwill I've, from I the was power? totally blown away. Mm. Um, oh, yes, I did get a lot of goodwill from athletes. Oh, of the, course. The para-athletes yeah. was just like it did me head in, mm. you know. So, and, and there were a couple there I thought that didn't like me and that, <laughs> the, the amazing amount of beautiful words they sent me in yeah. books, you yeah. know, and it was about getting back. And so, what? So, what? What changed in your photography after that? Like, what? I, people just said I've become more creative. I'm seeing things that I've never seen before, and it, I'm going to say yes to this theory that it did. It somehow brought me back to life. Maybe the, also the that thought of the loss of my work has got me got me more motivated to do better and and be stronger at what I did. So let me try and bring this back to golf. Mm. Um, to the game of golf yeah. and the playing of golf, do you remember what you did in a creative sense to work on on the left side and your creativity that helped you see things differently that that might be helpful for anyone who's playing? You know, it could be bowls or whatever it is, but to try and you know kick their creativity back into gear and go, oh, I just need to see something. Like, were there things that you worked on? Things that you yeah, I th- there was a bit of zen in, in in there that I needed to relax and start thinking slowly and properly and. And I think sometimes you want to rush onto the next thing in photography or whatever, right? No, you can actually stop, take a deep breath and then go, what do I need to do to do this right or to do it properly or to do it differently and look around. And it's 10, 15 seconds. And to some people that 10, 15 seconds feels like an eternity that I might miss something in that. But no, if you spend that 10, 15 seconds to do it properly, um, you can get something totally different, or look at the way the athlete's moving, or the swing, or the swim stroke. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's that point where you you go, wow! I just saw a splash, or I just saw a grimace on their face when they hit the ball, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. And I think a lot of it b- because of I was grateful that nothing went dreadfully wrong. That well, it went wrong, but not it could have been it wasn't a lot catastrophic. worse. Yeah. yeah. And I was grateful for life. And then that's when you appreciate life and slow it right down. I think that's really interesting about just taking the extra 15. Not that everyone has 15 seconds yeah. on a golf course because Jesus no. Christ, it takes long <laughs> enough. But, but I think it's a good point that when things do speed up to actually stop and look at it and go, okay, yeah. what do I really, what can I achieve and what do yeah. I want to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. That will apply to a lot of things, I guess, too. Right. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So what about for you now? Like I'd say you've got that beautiful Olympic series from when, <clears throat> excuse me, when um, it looked like it, the, it, the games weren't going ahead and you've got the athletes behind the water and the droplets and yeah. it's stunning. So, Thank you. So do you, are you, will you move – do you see that you might move from sports photography into shooting – I mean, not fashion, but, you know, more just the people in the sports? Yeah, I – yes, you're right. I, I don't think I can walk away from sports and the athletes and part of my fascination – I've grown up loving sport. Mm. I think you, you're a similar sort of person. Yeah. I I love the psyche of sport. I love watching an athlete before a race, after a race, how they behave in the dressing room. Um, you know, and how different are they? They are different. They're so different. <laughs> they're so different. And then in front of a TV camera or not in front of a TV yeah. camera, they're, they're so different. I Part of my success too is that the sports I work with, the athletes I work with, the teams I work with have come to know and trust me. And I won't step outside of any boundary. Um, so, so, but I can get into places that other people can't. Yeah. And I see things differently. And sometimes I can take a photo of it because it means something to that sport. Um, but yeah, they're totally different. And I can have dinner with these people, and I'm best man to some people's athletes' weddings, and yeah. godfather to some kids. I mean, you, you took the photo of Kathy Freeman with the Indigenous yeah. flag at the Commonwealth yeah. Games, and that was a that was a um, that was a full game changer. That was on lots of different levels, but it one it got her in trouble. Yes, a lot of trouble. Yeah, not that I knew then. <clears throat> no, of course not. But the the trouble was part of the beginning of saying, "Hang on a second, why why isn't this flag?" And and so, how do you feel being a part of that? I mean, it's worth googling yeah. the picture. You just yeah, Google Kathy Freeman yeah, Commonwealth it, it, Games. It's a big moment. It, look, Kathy won. She was expected to win, and she's walking around with the two flags. And and I'm I didn't think much of it, sadly. Mm. This, to be honest, a lot of things in sport I photograph, I don't think too highly. I don't think much of it. And then I realised, oh, my God, I should have probably taken more pictures. Or, For example, when Tiger Woods came to this country for the first, his first year as a professional, I went, who's this little smarty <laughs> pants kid that everyone's talking about and took very few photos of him and yet that was my only chance. So, yeah, I've, I've missed out on things. But Kathy, she walked around with the flags. Um, I didn't think much that she was coming down the straight all us photographers at the end of the straight and there's a, one of those TV cameras that are, you know, 
a meter away from yeah, her. In I the can't way. get a picture. So I said, okay, if I'm going to do anything, I'll run up into the stands and, and that way I can get rid of the guy that's sitting in front of her. I went up there. Unbeknown to me, there's Kathy's mum sitting in front of me and Kathy looks up to her and smiles and she's holding both flags and boom. You know, I thought she was smiling at me, then I realised <laughs> it was <laughs> she doesn't know me. Oh, there's her mum. Yeah, right. So and I was the only one who who thought, well, I'm not gonna get any pictures sitting where I am. I ran up into the stands. Yeah. That became an iconic picture. My my phone at the time started to ring off the hook. I was getting messages saying we need this picture because no one else got the picture or a clean picture of it. Yeah. And it became an iconic one. And yeah, the rest is we all know. But yeah, the, the discussion of the flag then came into it. But being in Canada at the time, I didn't know all this fuss was going on back home. Yeah. It was with Arthur Tunstall. I yes. Remember. Yeah. So how do you feel now looking? I mean, obviously you said that, you know, you you should, oh, I should have done, I should have realised. Yeah. But the thing is that you I mean, you must have had a, a, thousand, a hundred moments like that in your career of, of when someone's fallen and broken something or yeah. you know like the life the the sporting life is over and you've got that moment and yeah um, it's it's there there are any photographer that tells you yeah i get every photo each time all time is, yeah, is telling yeah <laughs> telling you a whole lot of furfies so it's um you miss them and you don't tell the other photographer you missed it but sometimes you do yeah. miss it or you don't understand you haven't understood what that yeah. moment meant so do you look back in hindsight, and, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not talking about the ones that you've missed, yeah. but the 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 hindsight of of Kathy's moment, for instance, um, and think you're obviously thrilled to have got it, but then when looking back, did you kind of get a sense of what you were photographing? Yes, yes, I yes I did later on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now again, with my so many years, I start to anticipate moments and go, okay. Both Kath, um, Kate Campbell and Bronte Campbell have just made the Olympic team. They're going to look for each other and give each other a hug. So I know that will happen, or okay. I anticipate things yeah. like that. You know, or particular moments. Or you you look at you look at the records and go, okay, if so and so wins this race, that's their one hundredth medal ever, or whatever. You know, and there might be a little bit of extra anticipation in that. But there are pictures that I've had, particularly in the sport themselves, are quite historical, a big moment. Um, the Cathy one probably is the biggest. Did you, did you get Thorpey coming off the block? No, sadly ah. no. Sadly. <laughs> and the one, there was one photographer that did. Yeah, right. Because I, I remember the photo. So. Yeah, so yes. And there was only one photographer decided to press the button. We were all just standing there watching him fall in and then realised, shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, and what was used was that one picture of him toppling over into yeah. the pool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yes, experience will help you try and predict these moments. But, mm. and, and now when I see it, I said, if anyone's going to topple into a pool, I'm pressing the button. It's not. Yeah. It was unthinkable at the time. So, has sport changed, do you think, in your. Yeah, I feel it has. I, I really do. Like, we, we were just talking 90s then with golf and, and all these names and. You know, Carrie Webb was a big deal too in yeah. golf. And I, well, she was she was literally number one and practically unbeatable. Absolutely. I mean, was it Laura? Laura? Somebody? Laura Davies. Laura Davies was trying, you know, to pull her down. And Nika Sorenston. Yeah. Anyway, but the nineties, um, I felt was our heyday of sport. I think when when we got the 
when Sydney got granted the Olympics, it's, the momentum was there with all sports. And there were you, your Kellogg's Sir Fine Man, you had <laughs> Hendy's and Leeches, oh, you yeah. had Kathy Freeman's Melinda Gaines's, you had Pat Rafters, you had um, Pat Cash. Well, it was people like, people like you who John actually you, the this is the photos because it was in the papers. Yes, and it wasn't online. So it was the photographs that actually told the story of. Absolutely. So it's people like you that actually built the sport up into single moments. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And, and you would you would definitely go hard at that. Mm. There, there's so many names. You had Philippuses and yeah. you had a list of these names. You needed to get pictures of them. It was a big editorial world at the time and, and even up and just past the Olympics. Digital has changed all that. I mean, you go into a news agent now, there's... A handful of magazines. Yeah, it's sad. It is sad. There used to be rows of sports magazines. Um, I'd spend half a day at the airport going through the fishing magazines. (laughs) I know my wife hated I'd come back with 20 magazines from each news agent. And and to be honest, I then Googled Golf Australia magazine to see if they still existed. Yeah, it's still still around. It's still around, right? So one of a handful, I'm sure. You know, and God bless them. And... And and the editor there, Brendan, who I had towards the end of my career, is still there. Still there, the yeah. So um, I was so pleased to see that. Yeah, and he's a good fella. Yeah. Well, listen, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much Thank for you. your time and your 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 slant on history, and Thank it is you. a formidable um, contribution to just picking those, you know, a moment at a time and making it special and Thank you. giving us something to look back, which is what this room really, <laughs> that's what this room's about, isn't it? Your it is. It's looking back. Uh, yeah. Uh, what am I? A hopeless romantic or yeah. whatever it is. I, I, I love old school. That's what I am. But, yeah, I'm, during all these you know, staying at home things that we've had to do recently, I've been going back through all the files and the memories that I've brought back and the names and the athletes and and I'm now getting the books together. So Okay. I'll, I, the book will happen when I finally retire. The books. So will it, it'll, okay. So will you do a story in words or a story in pictures? I think. Well, I have a lot of stories. Yeah. You know, I, you know, the day I worked with Kathy Freeman and Carl Lewis, for example, the day I worked with Anna Kornikova, there were these days and these moments and things that I've seen. Just the last Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, there's stories out of there. Yeah. You know, I can share the stories. What was of, it like with Carl and? Kathy. Uh, again, something that I I didn't at the time, um, what it take it in like we're two greats at the time, um, and I was the only that was for Nike, mm. and I was the only photographer allowed to shoot them, and they were inspecting the new stadium that was being built in Sydney with the hard hats on and everything, <laughs> and, and I was the only photographer there, and I didn't really get the whole thing, and later on I went, you know what? At the time, he was the greatest track and field athlete and Cathy's about to smash it at the Olympics. But so what didn't you... I mean, obviously, you took photos of them there. What didn't you get? Like, what... It, you say you missed it, but what did you miss? No, like, I, I didn't... No, I, did, I didn't miss a moment. They were wearing hard hats and the, the lead foreman was showing them around where yeah. everything is. Which is bizarre anyway, And I have it? a nice story from that, which will be in the book, was Cathy grabbed... Oh, We'll start again. At the start line of the 100 metres, they had spray-painted the lanes, like one, two, three, four, four, on the rocks and on the rubble. On the rubble. And Cathy said, can I have your camera? And I, okay. And she took photos of it. And, she said, and then she gave me her address. And she said, can you send me those photos? Which I did. Yeah. 
I met her at a, a celebrity sports fun run at Noosa Triathlon years later after the Olympics. And she recognised me and I said, what did you do with those photos? She said, I pinned them up on my pin board. And I knew that was my, my goal for the next six or seven years, that this was my finish line. So I, I don't, can't take credit for a gold medal, but she was staring at my <laughs> sure. photos. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, there's stories like that I have to write, talk about. Yeah. You know. So it's that fabulous thing of you just don't know what you're seeing. No. Until history tells you yeah. what it was. Absolutely. I mean, like we know what we, we know this, we know the moment, but we don't know the story about the moment. Yeah. And, and even when Cathy did win the, the gold medal <laughs> we, at, at Sydney, um, we all thought, yeah, there'll be so much jubilee. And remember, she sat down, yeah. a very genuine, honest emotion. She sat down and took her shoes off. And we were, all of us were going, do something, Kathy, do something, do something. We didn't have a, the photo that we were dreaming of. But now, as an older person, I'm looking and going, what an amazing emotional response by her to sit down and take off her shoes. Yeah, that was the moment. That was, that mean, was that, the moment. So, but at so the time, silly. we were expecting. Glory and arms in the air and jumping for joy and no, not the case. Yeah, right. Well, Delhi, what Thank a pleasure! You. I just Thank you. so. I mean, we could have more hours. I've got more <laughs> stories. I mean, that's the that's the great thing. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so thanks for your work. And I, I promise you, if you just Google Delhi Car and you know you'll find your work and and it's it is amazing. And thanks. Thank you. For, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. So good. That is Delhi Carr, Australia's preeminent sports photographer. So generous with his time and his thoughts and really interesting that, you know, like to be in a moment and not realise you're in the moment until afterwards, that's a pretty good summation of life. And just honestly, lovely bloke. So I really appreciate his time and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it next week. Woo! It's something. It's golf. I'll see you next time. And listen, if you enjoy the show, give it a rating. It's going to help. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.